Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, in today's episode, I'm going to introduce you to the three amazing women in the middle who went to Baja with me to meet the gray whales in person and how we created magic together. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle, with over a million downloads and counting. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor, and I am super psyched about this episode. Actually, I'm over the moon. I can't wait to get rolling here. So now, if you are a regular listener, you know that I love whales, and I recently came back from an amazing experience, not only with the gray whales of Mexico, but also with three adventurous, whale-loving ladies who are joining me today to share what it was like to do this trip together. But just quick, before we take a totally fun, deep dive into the trip, and yes, that pun was intended, (laughs) I have a new opportunity to tell you about. I'll soon be launching a new sister podcast called Women in the Middle Entrepreneurs, and I'm currently looking for guests. So if you're a woman in the middle who's 50 plus and also an entrepreneur or business owner, and you're finding yourself navigating some classic midlife issues that are getting in the way of you running your business the way you really want to, then this podcast for you. Head over to www.midlifeinterviews.com and apply. There's lots more information there so you can see if you're a good fit for this show. Okay, now let's dive in. Today's episode is a personal one, and I'm calling it Creating Magic in Midlife, Hanging Out with the Gray Whales. And my friend, I really believe some serious magic was created, and you will soon see why. I pulled together a group interview, sort of a behind-the-scenes look at the incredibly special and unique whale-watching experience that I planned in honor of my 60th birthday this year. You may recall that I've been on this trip before, but it was 30 years ago. And I've been dreaming about going back since then. For sure, it was the most spiritual experience of my life. I booked the trip for February 2023 with full intention to go alone. Little did I know that when I started talking about it, these three amazing women in the middle would join me. You're going to love meeting them and hearing about our experience together. So let me tell you a little about each of them. Barbara Churchill is from Minneapolis, Minnesota. She's a leadership and life coach for high-achieving female leaders and entrepreneurs. We met at a whale-watching event hosted by the Life Coach School years ago. I don't even remember when that was, but it was more than a couple of years ago. And so when I mentioned I was going to Baja to see the whales again, Barbara didn't hesitate to join me. We are kindred spirits in our love for whales. Next, we have Mickey Fellows. She's from Seattle, Washington. She's an empty nester, an outdoor enthusiast, and an avid adventurer. Mickey joined the Women in the Middle Academy feeling stuck and powerless. After working together and also with the company and coaching with other amazing women in the program, she recognized her two great passions and melded them together into her midlife purpose. Mickey was totally ready for this adventure. And finally, you'll also be meeting Karen Wexler, who is currently living in Florida, where she teaches yoga to the Midlife Plus community. She has taught yoga at my retreats before. And I thought she might want to join me in Baja after the whale excursion. But no, Karen was completely intrigued to come and meet the whales. So we go all the way back to playing saxophone together in our high school marching band. And we've been close friends ever since. 
You're going to love hearing more about this trip, meeting the whales. Well, not exactly meeting them, but you'll get the hang of it. <laughs> and actually, what it was like for us to have this experience together. So please enjoy this very special interview. Well, hello there, my friends. I am so excited that you're all here with me now to talk about the magic that happened for us on our trip to San Ignacio Lagoon in Baja, California, which is in Mexico, when we had some amazing encounters with the gray whales. And we did it together. And today is such a great opportunity to think about it together and talk about it with a little bit of um, reflection. So let's start by each of you doing a brief introduction about how we know each other, and then we'll dive right in. So Mickey, why don't you get us started? Sure. I'm from Seattle, and I'm an, an outdoor enthusiast and a recent empty nester. So I have a lot of time on my hands. And I recently, through Women in the Middle, found my purpose by melding two of my great passions through my life. And I'm off on a new venture now. And I'm so excited to talk about the adventure we all had together because it really was life-changing and it really was a huge step for me. So good. Thank you so much. And Karen. Hi, I'm Karen. And um, I know Susie from High School Band, which your listeners are very familiar with, <laughs> you're a part of. So it's a big part of my background as well. And uh, we met during marching band practice and um, been buddies ever since, ever since. That is true. Saxophone, lots of fun in the sax section. Sax section, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, and you're in Florida right now. I am in Florida now, from Pennsylvania originally, and you know, lived in New York for a while. Did my thing, but here I am with family. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. And Barbara. Yes. Hey, Susie. I'm Barbara Churchill. I'm from the Minneapolis area. I'm a leadership and life coach for high achieving professional women and entrepreneurs. And Susie and I know each other because we're both coaches and we co we got our certifications with the same school. And Susie, this is the thing. You and I have whale watched before, my friend. We were with other coaches in California and you and I were the only nerdy whale watchers in the boat. So I knew we were sisters in terms of our love for whales. So that is for sure. When when that came when that trip came up for you, that was like, yes, let's go. Oh, so good. All right. Now, a little background. If you're a regular listener of the podcast, you may recall that I came up with this idea about a way to celebrate and honor my upcoming 60th birthday. And it's called Six in 60. And the idea is to come up with six meaningful and interesting ways to celebrate in six specific categories. So the first category was about what brings you joy. But it's more than that. What brings you so much joy that when you think about it, you'll probably tear up a little. And the idea was to identify that and then just to move toward it, to do it. So for me, it was revisiting the trip I took to San Ignacio 30 years ago. I was thinking about it for 30 years. I wanted to bring my family. I had them. They grew up. They left. It didn't happen. So, <laughs> so I was thinking, that's what I have to do. Now, when I came up with that idea, I imagined I would just go alone because it's kind of niche. And a lot of people like to go whale watching for maybe three hours. 
But to go whale watching for several hours, five, six, seven times over four days, it's a lot. But when I started talking about it, the three of you were interested. So let's talk a little bit about why this trip appealed to you. Do you normally take adventurous trips like this? Have you been whale watching before? Barbara has. And actually, Karen and I have together, I think it was it once or twice? Twice. 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 North Island and Cape Cod. Where was the first one? Cape Cod. When they the were kids bo- were little. Oh, when the kids were little, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was their first time whale watching. I think that was my first time as well. Oh my gosh, so yeah. good. And I think it was David's, I think it was my husband's first time too. Really? Um, yeah, so on the East Coast, it's humpbacks and finbacks, and if you're lucky, some minkies and some things like that. Uh, Barbara, when we did it in California, I think we also, I think we saw a gray whale migrating actually. Yeah, yeah, we did. It was amazing. And it, I mean, that was my first real encounter with whales and I remember meeting a elderly gentleman at the front of the boat and his wife didn't want to go whale watching. And so he did this like four times a year and he, this was just his thing. And he taught me all these things, but it is such an amazing experience. It's not anything that I've ever really done. Not the way, you know, the four of us did it for sure. Well, well, the way we did it was very unusual. Um, Mickey, did you <laughs> ever go whale watching before? You live on the West coast. You must see orcas. <laughs> Maybe from land. I've never gone out whale watching before. I I don't like being out on the open water. So that's held me back in the past. Well, we're going to talk all about that because (laughs) we were definitely on some open water. (laughs) (laughs) So what about adventure travel? Was, uh, have you done adventurous types of trips before? Like I've been to Costa Rica. I've been sailing. Uh, Have you done things like that? I do adventure trips often, not at this level. This was kind of a luxury trip for me. I'm usually backpacking in a tent, but I love to be out doing new things and finding new experiences. That's great. I mean, I've, you know, come to think of it, the times I've done adventure travel is they've also not Costa Rica, but the Grand Canyon was in a tent. And this, this trip, the first time was not in a luxury tent. It was a plain old tent on the sand in a cot. <laughs> but this one was definitely luxury travel. I mean, that's for sure. Um, but one of the things that I loved about coming up with this idea was how quickly, as soon as I, as soon as I really thought about what is it that I really want to do and I just quieted down. It was the first thing that popped in my mind and I allowed the thought. Now, I know it's kind of a big trip. It's a big commitment of time and effort. Like it's it's kind of in the middle of nowhere and, and it's not so easy to get to. And so to do a trip like this, you really have to prioritize all of the resources it takes to get out of Dodge and go someplace like this. You have to put yourself first. So what was that part of the decision like for you? Because that's certainly one of the reasons I didn't go in 30 years. You know, it's interesting because when I heard about it, I didn't know anything about it, but I thought Susie's going to do this trip. She's fun. I'll go with Susie. Right. (laughs) And do you remember that? We were in a group and I Facebook messaged you and I said, tell me about this whale thing. What is happening? And you sent me the link. I looked it up. I thought, oh my gosh, I have an opportunity to touch a whale. This is insane. Of course I'll go and do that. 
And I am not an adventure traveler, people. I mean, you know, I have gone to Glacier Park and hiked and so on, but I stay in hotels and I will camp, but it's in a camper. It's not on a tent on the ground and all the things, right? This is not my thing. I'm not swinging through trees and, you know, Costa Rica and zip lining and all the things. So this was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm so excited to go and figure it out. I have to say, Barbara, when you made the decision, it was so fast. Like, not only did you say yes, but you put a deposit down. And I, and I was like, wow, like that really was a quick decision. I know. And here's the thing. I decided, you know, I'm in my third act. There is there, you know, we don't get, this is it. So when opportunities like this come up, I have to look at it and go, does this light me up? It does. Let's go. Let's figure it out. Let's just go. Well, and the other, boom, done. The other thing that you mentioned is, you know, about being in your third act is we are getting a little older and right now we have health. We're able to do a trip like this. And, um, and we'll talk about the details of what it was like, but it was a little physically, like, I wouldn't say it was hard, but it was a little challenging, like with the Mm -hmm. boots and the water and, and getting in and out of the boat and (laughs) (laughs) you know, person. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it, it's just, it's pretty funny to see a step stool in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> but I love this is, this was why it was luxury. They accommodated everything. They sure did. <laughs> and Karen, what about you? Have you done anything like this before? No, I mean, when I was younger, I, I've gone camping, but I, in as an adult, I don't really think I've done anything like this. I've traveled a lot, um, you know, but stayed in hotels and, well, I don't know, maybe um, actually, oh my gosh, how could I forget? Should I bring it up? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I did travel with the circus, so I've traveled on a train that I lived on. And years later, I was also working with the circus and living out of uh, like um, a motorhome. So that was kind of that I would say was like, you know, you're dealing with hoses and not flushing your toilet paper in the toilet and things like that. (laughs) But it's been a long time, kind of been a while. And um, but for me, this thing, this trip was just such a. I don't usually think about taking a trip that's such an expense as that. So for me, that was the issue. Um, However, when you mentioned that you were doing it and you were going to stay a few extra days and wondered if I'd want to come out after and just instantly I was like, come out after? Are you kidding? I want to be a part of this. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. It's it's funny you mentioned that because I've tried over the years to go some of these interesting places with friends and I get more resistance and rejection than let's do it. And it's a reminder that not everybody has the same comfort level. Not everybody is as comfortable with risk. People spend money in different ways, what they value. And I guess as I'm getting older, um, I did go zip lining in Costa Rica and I hated it. Like I'm very, it turns out I'm really not that crazy about heights. <laughs> I'm just not. So, but the things I like are 
like what we did. I'm much more land and ocean based. I love ocean and boating and anything like that. Um, so when I started to talk about this a little bit more, you three said yes, but lots of people said, how many hours of whale watching is that? Aren't we going to be bored? What else is there to do? <laughs> but you know what, Susie? That's so funny because I thought the same thing. I'm a very active person. I like, you know, to be doing things and I'm, I'm sitting there say, five hours in a boat. Oh, my stars. What on earth? Am I going to, okay, but you know what? You can do this five. Well, and it was five hours in the morning. And then it was what, another like three or four in the afternoon. This was like daily immersion. But I'm telling you, I was never bored. There was so much going on. And the fact that you're in the middle of their migration and, you know, we were told, call a spout out, call a spout out when you see it. Well, we're, hey, two o'clock, hey, 11, hey, nine, hey, you know, there's behind us. They were everywhere. It was the most amazing thing. Isn't that, it's so interesting that we were very focused on doing one thing. And we were exhausted by doing that one thing because (laughs) really what the day was like, like the gray whales are not here all the time. They're only here to mate and to have their babies after they make one of the longest migrations in the world from the Bering Strait from Alaska up there. And it's a very unique thing. It's really the only place in the world that this happens. And it's a very protected area. And so to get there, it's remote. Like we flew to Cabo and we had to take a plane, a small plane. Yes, it was. <laughs> to get here, <laughs> two hours in the small plane. And even a small plane ride is something that many people have never experienced. So let's talk a little bit about just getting to this place before we dive in. And of course, the plane. So I have been on a small plane a couple of times um, I guess it always, it like it creates a pause. It's like, oh, it's a small plane. But I found this particular time, I really wasn't that nervous. But I know that's not how everybody felt. So, <laughs> Barbara, why don't you start this little segment of the plane? Well, I'm not a great flyer anyway. And I do a lot of mind management when I fly on a very large aircraft, right? So we get to the airport, we're walking to this plane. And I'm like, that can't be it. That can't be it. Oh, my heavens. That's it. Mother of God, that's the plane we're (laughs) going to get on. So um, it was two hours of really mind management. And I looked around and I'm watching Mickey and I'm watching Karen and you and I'm thinking, okay, they're not freaking out, then I'm not going to freak out either. And we're hitting some turbulence. We're doing all the things. But I was just like, no, it's good. Now, you know, full disclosure, when we did land, (laughs) I got out of the plane and I kissed the ground. But, (laughs) you know, I I made it. That was a fear. That was something I conquered. And it was very, I was very proud of myself. Did you appreciate the beauty of what we were flying over? Oh, I absolutely did. did. So you weren't nervous enough. You weren't nervous enough that you couldn't even see that. No, one of my things is if there's something to look at, look at that because then it keeps your mind occupied instead of spinning in the, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We were, we were looking back at you and I noticed that I noticed noticed that Mickey, Mickey was really taking care of you at one point. I'm telling you, you guys, I didn't know any of you 
except for Susie, right? And and we don't even know each other that well before. And we get on this plate, and that's the beauty of women. I'm just going to say the beauty of what we nurture, we take care. Yeah. Mickey looked behind me. I looked at her like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and she just gave me her hand. She was in the front and I'm like in the middle and she gave me her hand. And I, I'm, you know, again, I will apologize for how hard I squeezed it, but um, <laughs> poor thing was probably crippled when she got on her butt. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a loving thing to do from a pretty much a stranger. You know, it was just so heartwarming. It really was. Oh, it it really i mean I, I was i wasn't worried at all about bringing everybody together i didn't even think about the dynamic i did not give it a second thought yet people asked us on this trip so how long have you guys known each other where do you know each other from we're like well i brought these gals together but they didn't know each other <laughs> yeah they were very surprised to hear that it seemed like we'd known each other forever so mickey and karen yeah. what about you in the in the plane were, did you have any concerns? Were you comfortable? I always like to know what's going on. So I liked it on the way out when I got to sit up front and I could watch the pilot and the controls. Not so Andrew. good when I was sitting in the back <laughs> on the way home. I mean, it was fine, but I liked kind of, you know, just monitoring our progress, seeing what was going on. And I, I did notice that you also had your phone out and you had Google Earth or Google Maps or something. And that oh, reminded yeah. me to do that, too. That was fun. Following our trip, yeah. And Karen, what about you? Have you been in a plane like that? I've been in sm- a small plane before. And no, that really appealed to my adventurous side. So I was up for it. The thing that did make me nervous was watching the pilot. <laughs> he wasn't exactly watching straight ahead. So I don't know how we got there. <laughs> I always think this happens every day. This is a regular thing. Oh, like he I must all- know what he's doing. Because we're fine. That made me a little nervous. <laughs> it just reminded me of the movie Airplane. Do you remember when, you know, the pilot is flying and everything, and then uh, you look at the autopilot, and it's just a blow-up doll? I mean, that, that was kind of like, okay, really? Is this yeah. what we're on? Because there was no co-pilot. It was just the guy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I know that that is funny. I remember the first time that happened to me too. It was in the Caribbean somewhere, and and it was a very it was even a smaller plane than that, and uh, it was like a taxi plane. They go to different islands, letting people off, and and at one point everybody got out of the plane, including the pilot, and it's just my husband and I sitting there, and I'm like, don't we need to be supervised? Why are we we're just sitting here by ourselves in the plane? I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> It was so funny. Okay, so we get to this little landing strip, and then you really start to sense that we are in the middle of nowhere. We're in a wildlife sanctuary. It's very protected, and it's very remote. And uh, we get in a little boat, and the boat takes us um, across part of the lagoon where we get to the camp. And we see all these tents. What was your thought when you saw all the tents and we're actually arriving? It's a real adventure now. (laughs) Well, and I just want to clarify that, you know, that when you think of Lagoon, you might think of like Gilligan's Island and some little short. This was a 25 minute ride on a fishing boat. Like nothing, you know, this isn't like a big boat. This is like, you know, climb in bench seating. Here we go. And we have these white rubber boots because you're not just going to go. There's no docks. Right. There's nothing right. there. You're going to get into the into the water and then hop in the boat. But 
it was really quite amazing to be getting closer. And then on the, we saw the tents on the left and then these different tents on the right. And it was like, wow, this is our, this is where we're going to be for the next three days. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. And, and then we get off and, and, you know, grab our, everything was so well managed. All of our luggage came in different boats. It was brought to our tents. They greeted us with champagne. I mean, come on. And I thought to myself, <laughs> okay, well, I can do this. <laughs> no problem. I think the first problem happened as soon as we got there, though. It was the getting out of the boat. The getting in the boat and the getting out of the boat did cause a little bit of, um, hmm, it needed focus. <laughs> <laughs> So they do give you the rubber boots and they give you a little like a plastic rain thing, rain jacket, rain poncho. Um, but getting out of the boat because there is no dock, you know, a boat can only go so close to shore. And as it was, it, it was very shallow, but sometimes it wasn't shallow enough to keep the water out of your boots. And sometimes the water just rushed right in. <laughs> in fact, I remember uh, getting out of the boat the first time because getting in I did pretty well I didn't feel too drenched or anything but getting out I remember them saying um oh these boots are more for protection they're not really waterproof and I laughed thinking that was funny and I, later <laughs> I said no you're serious he goes no yeah I wasn't joking <laughs> there were so many wet socks in that group we had 16 mm -hmm. people in on the luxury side and everybody gets off the boat. They go get their champagne and they're just out wringing out their socks. It was hysterical. It was really funny. Managing the socks needed a little bit of attention because uh, it, we realized it was best to go barefoot in the boots. Yeah. But then, uh, you know, I ended up developing blisters. So then then we realized you go barefoot in the boots. Then when you get on the boat, you dump out the water. You let your feet dry. You put the dry socks on until we return to camp. And then you take the dry socks off and do the whole thing with the boots. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And there was a bit of walking. It certainly wasn't far, but it was enough walking that you would get a blister with the wet and the dry and the boots and all the all the things. Mm -hmm. um, but Karen, it was funny because you teach yoga and you have a dance background. I thought that you'd be whipping in and out of that boat. No I problem. I thought I'd be like Mickey. Mickey <laughs> in and out of the boat. I was looking at her like, that was my past. <laughs> I don't know. I had, I had some weird, really bizarre block when it came to especially getting out of that boat. <laughs> no, I wasn't putting my weight in the right place. <laughs> Well, and the boat wouldn't stay still. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> that is a problem. And when, so there were two people on the boat that were staff. So there was um, uh, like the fisherman captain. So somebody who really knew the water and he drove the boat. And there's a lot of maneuvering when you're around the whales um, because you don't follow, you don't really go after the whales so much. You really have to cut the motor and you wait for the whales to come to you. So there's a lot of, um, you know, you're not just going, you're not just going full tilt anywhere. And then the other thing, uh, there was like the biologist naturalist person. And when either of these two men lent a hand, I always took it because I'm the one on the step stool in the sand trying to get these little legs 
over that <laughs> over that side. Plus, I had a big, heavy bag because I had a DSLR camera and it just added a lot of weight. So that was really weighing me down, no pun intended. But anyway, it was the whales are more fun to talk about than the getting in and out of the boat. But it really <laughs> was something for us midlife gals to deal with the boat. <laughs> you know what? By the end of it, y'all were ballet. It was all good. You were in and out very quickly. That is true. We we did get better at it. We got it down. We got better at it. <laughs> so funny. Okay. Now we've prioritized the trip. We get there. It's all good. Uh, it's more luxury than, weren't you surprised at the amount of luxury that was there? Like, I thought it was unbelievable. I was, I was very surprised. I was very surprised. I had yeah. a double sink vanity in my bathroom inside oh. a very large tent. What is happening? The living, living room. The couch. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like real furniture, a real dresser, a real big bed, a, I mean, a, a sectional. <laughs> nicer than some apartments I've had in New York City. <laughs> oh, and the food. My gosh. I was not expecting the food to be that good. Oh, the food was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. It was clean, healthy, delicious, very flavorful. Because really, it's a tent. It's kind of like um, the tent isn't there. The tent city, the tent camp, it's not there all year. It's a... It's like all, um, I don't know the proper word for it, but like it's protected. So you have to leave without a footprint. So I think they mentioned it took five months, um, three months to erect the tents. And then I think they're there for four months or something. Now I can't remember all the timing of it, but it, it was quite substantial amount of time to create uh, the situation that everybody's so comfortable. So there were these luxury tents on one side, slightly smaller tents on the other side. And then in the middle, it was the mess tent. There was a bar and like a social, a social kind of tent where when somebody gave uh, one of the nature talks, that's where that was. And then I guess the um, staff tents were off to the side, but it was like a little tent city, you know, and the people that work there are there the whole time and you have to uh, deal with the fresh water and the energy and the the power generator, the solar panels, like all of that you know, you have to be really conscious of it. And yet you go in this little tent and it's a little slice of heaven. Yeah. And it, you know, it really wasn't small. I mean, this was a large tent. I could have entertained eight people in there nicely. I mean, this is crazy. We're in the middle of nothing. Okay. <laughs> We're in the middle of nothing. We hear coyotes and we see them kind of trotting by. Okay. And we have a, an omelet bar <laughs> An omelet station in the breakfast tent, in addition to a buffet. And I'm thinking to myself, how do these people do this? We are in the middle of nowhere. And by the way, I had better Wi-Fi there than I did in Cabo San Lucas. Just saying. <laughs> That's crazy. The, you know, the whole situation, they called it glamping, but it, it really... I, I never imagined glamping to be this nice. I think it was more like a pop-up boutique hotel or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. The scale of it was the same. Yeah. It was so comfortable. But when you did wake up at night, uh, you really felt and heard the wind. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little scary. It was like, wow, is this tent going to take off? <laughs> I wasn't sure about that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the whales. What was it like for you? Because I've done this trip before. I was very young when I did it, but I knew what it was like to see whales close up. 
but you guys didn't. So what was it like for you on that first day when you could really tell that the whales were coming closer than normal, closer than a normal whale watch? You don't often see them right at the boat. That was amazing. I thought I, oh, I took a lot of pictures. We had that particular uh, whale. They said his name was Mancha. They know him and um, very friendly. And just to see that head coming out of the water and coming closer I felt like it was like an alien I really felt like being in that desert on that water and just the huge expanse openness like I just felt like I was literally on another planet and these were the creatures that we were you know meeting with and oh my god that was so just magical really and it came so close, and my hand was in the water, and I was just inches away. But then uh, I saw the, the, his head going up towards the other end of the boat, and Barbara happened to be there. <laughs> Barbara, do you want to take it from here? I, I, <laughs> I will just say that uh, after the first day, I could have just flown home. Mm-hmm. Everything... <laughs> Everything was just so amazing from getting in the boats to, you know, we're driving out to where they are. And then we're in the middle of all of these gray whales spouting and we see tails and and we see spy hopping, which is when their heads come directly up there. It's not a breach. It's just they come up and it's kind of like they're looking around and then they go back down. We saw everything. We were followed by dolphins on the way out. We were followed by dolphins on the way back. And then the whale that Karen was talking about came close to our boat and we're all freaking out like, oh my gosh, are we going to? (laughs) And I'm filming with my left hand with my camera and I'm so excited and I see him. Of course, I forget what the heck I'm doing because excitement has taken over my body. And I got to touch him. I rubbed the top of his head, um, kind of between his nose and his blowhole. I felt what he felt like, the skin of a whale. I don't even know if that's the right term for it, but it's so slippery and smooth. And then I felt the barnacles, which are so crusty. And had I had more time with him, I would have helped him by peeling some off because they just didn't look comfortable. (laughs) When he pulled away his eye, I made eye contact with his eye. I'm telling you, it is... It was a spiritual experience for me to look in the eye of a whale that is so massive. And I'm in the middle of this wildlife area. Honest to God, I'm like, am I, is someone filming me? Am I like on a documentary? What is going on? But it was one of the most spiritual things I have ever experienced in my life. I I mean, I had tears in my eyes when we were in the tent that evening and everybody said, good night, I just cried because it was, it was, it was everything. They're yeah. They're all around the boat and they come right up and by choice. Yeah. Um, Well, while Barbara was having her spiritual moment, I was freaking out because that whale was right under our boat and and I'm looking over the edge thinking he could just come up any minute and just be, Ta-da, and we would just be gone, right? It was huge. And he was like playing with us. He stayed under there for a little while. 
Yeah. So you can't, you know, it's not, it's not crystal clear water like the Caribbean, but you can see the whales just under the water. They have a mottled colored skin. It's gray, but it's not consistent color. Plus the barnacles in the whale lice on top of their skin makes it very patchy looking and lighter colored. So you can see it uh, just under. And it is um, one of my favorite parts of these trips is when I can see one of the eyes. And that um, happened to me on my very first trip where I had a very similar experience to what Barbara's talking about. Um, And I saw the whale blink. We were gazing at each other long enough that I actually saw the whale blink. And that's when I lost my mind. But um, Mickey, what you're talking about, it's true. Like these whales are 40, 45 feet long and equal equal amount of tons, (laughs) like 40, 50 tons. And Yikes. You know, and they do sometimes rub the boat. They're right under the boat. And I've never heard of a story of a gray whale toppling a boat. I have heard of very rare stories of other kinds of whales breaching and coming close to a boat or tipping a kayaker, but it's it's very unusual. But these whales are right under the boat. They're right next to the boat. They're coming over and they're curious about the boat. And also what Mickey said earlier, the boats are moving, the water's moving, everything's moving. So it's challenging to get photographs. It's challenging to keep your balance. And when a whale comes close, your natural instinct is for everybody to go to that side of the boat. Well, you can't do that either. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's just interesting what happens to the around the boat. If they're going to pop their head up, if they're turning, sometimes they roll. And sometimes they pop their head up, but then they're moving like, like what Karen, what you said, that it came up in front of you and then it kind of ended up a little farther back Yeah, in the boat. And it's very exciting. The other thing that you can see when you are out there is what's going on with some of the other boats. Sometimes you can hear that you can hear people experiencing it and they're very excited. And sometimes you can actually see what's going on. So some photographs that you take are of what's going on in the boat nearby. You may not even know the people, but you can hear it and it's exciting. So I just, I want to remind you guys, when we were out, I don't remember what day it was, but there was one boat that wasn't with our particular group. It was a rogue, I'm going to call it a rogue boat. Um, but he had a group out there and, and it felt like they were chasing the whales and you're not supposed to do that, right? You're supposed to kind of follow them along and kind of come up alongside them or, you know, go in their general area. Well, this guy was, it felt like it was chasing and there was a mother and a baby pair and the mother was not having any of it. The, the babies are very curious and they will come up to the boat, but the mother was like, listen, you better back <laughs> off. Okay. <laughs> And it was funny because I said to the biologist, you know, can he do that? Is that okay? And, you know, we had a conversation and then I'm watching this boat and I see the baby and the mother gets between the boat and the baby and she used her fin and this long ass fin comes out of the water and smacks the side of that boat. It was so loud. And I thought, "Uh uh-huh, take that. That's your warning (laughs) shot. You mess with this baby again. Mama's going to dump your boat. (laughs) right well one of the favorite things that that i saw i i think you guys saw it too but it was one of these playful babies a one-ton baby um Mm -hmm. who kind of came up the side and the top out of the water on the mom's back yes 
And oh, so, yeah. right. And you can see this baby that looks tiny next to the huge, huge mama, but it's a one ton baby <laughs> who was kind of crawling on top, not crawling, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And then oh. on top and then slid down. And that yeah. was just so oh, cute. Yeah. I don't know what it took. Amazing. Yeah. For that baby to come up, you know, it's really something. So what, what would you say? um, We talked a little bit about some of the challenges. So Barbara had a challenge with the flying and Mickey, you talked about open water. So what was that like for you to be on a tiny boat, knowing that this open water thing made you a little nervous? How were you handling that? Um, Well, deep breaths and Realizing that they do this all the time. <laughs> and like you said, you had mentioned before that no one had ever capsized. Well, don't get hurt. You know, I just, all this positive reinforcement of the things I knew to be true. And um, and just, it was to help so much because the group that we ended up with, there was so much camaraderie on our boat mm-hmm. that I felt like if I did have trouble, there would be so many people there to support me. It was, um, I don't know, we all gelled between our group, our small group of four, but also on our boat with our our sexy hair captain. And <laughs> he did have sexy hair. Uh, sexy hair. Our marine biologist. He was some. Our marine biologist, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, and and when it got choppy, I, I didn't go out. So that the afternoons where the wind was coming up, um, it wasn't it wasn't worth it. For me, between exhaustion and nervousness to make that track, mm-hmm. but all the other times, it just gave me so much strength seeing, being able to see the whales and how big they are and how gentle they are. So whatever is down there that I'm think I'm scared of in the open water is probably not relevant. Mal- it's not going to get me. They're all just doing their own thing. So that was a great realization for me. That's so great. And we did have life jackets on, of course. But I love that you were, you know, I love that you really thought about the people and the whales and that this does happen all the time and all of it. And what what a great experience, because honestly, you really did take it head on. I mean, we were in little boats in the middle of nowhere. And it was choppy. I'm telling you, day two was like, what is happening? We're bouncing all over this thing. It Mm -hmm. was choppy. And Mickey, I have to say, I had no idea you had this fear until like, you know, the evening of day two. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my God. You are a badass. You were just out there doing the things, looking, taking pictures, leaning. I mean, mm-hmm. well done. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's really something. We did have a great vibe on the boat. I'm wondering how, like, what? how would you describe the general vibe of the whale experience, like the the camp, that part of the experience, the general vibe. Oh, I think it was, I think everybody was, um, they're all like-minded, right? We were all there to have an experience, to try to experience the same thing. And everyone there uh, is a nature lover. You you can't not be a nature lover. Um if you're going to do something like this. And so we all had this kind of common thread of wanting to have this experience for whatever our personal reasons were. And everybody was very, very open. I found I've that's, that's one of the things that I love about taking a trip like this or any trip really is getting to know the people 
the staff, what their history is, why they're there, how long have they worked there? And then the people that you're traveling with, you know, getting to know. And, and um, that was, you know, just hearing their stories and the trips that they've been on. Oh my gosh, I have work to do. <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah. true. I think that's um, the benefit. Like you're saying, not that many people would even think of doing it and then make the jump to do it. So the people that ended up there were a pretty extraordinary group of people in terms of, yeah, where else they'd been, where else we'd been, and that we'd, we'd all come together for a single purpose. It, it just really made it easy to connect with our kindred spirits there. Yeah, I agree we with that. We have something in common with everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I've heard, too, when I I like going in this type of a trip. I like groups and doing adventure travel. I prefer it rather than me being, you know, responsible for saving my life and planning properly. And <laughs> I'd rather do it with people that do it all the time. But again, when I've had these discussions with other people, they have concerns also about the group. And I'm always like, I've never had a problem with the group um, because I think cool people do this kind of thing. Yeah. You're not going to get any whiny babies on this kind of a thing, right? You're not going to have problem children because they're not going to do something like this. I think so. Now, one of the things that I did in advance um, is I made a little workbook for all of us. And the reason I did it was because of how much um, women in the middle like to think about travel and how difficult it is to get away. And sometimes there are regrets that we weren't present enough we weren't thoughtful enough. We weren't mindful enough. We weren't like, we didn't do what we could to manage our, our experience, you know? And so I made a little workbook called Whale Work, <laughs> W-E-R-K. And the idea was just to highlight um, awe and wonder and being present and how you can amplify an experience when you're in the midst of an amazing potentially top 10 day. And for me, uh, I really wanted to be relaxed and present. And that's not my normal state. And I really wanted that to be, and I was just rereading the prompts and my answers to it. And I really was relaxed and present. And I didn't have that pressure that I felt before about getting the perfect picture and not missing like a photo op and, um, just, I don't know. I was just more in the past on these types of trips. I was just more um, anxious about trying to see certain things and do certain things and capture certain things. And in this case, I wasn't like that at all. And I have to think a lot of it had to do with the mindfulness work that I've been doing and how intentional I'm trying to be about being present and focused and not letting life pass me by and miss the good stuff, right? Uh, so I'm I'm wondering how you experienced awe and wonder and your goals for your personal experience, what you could manage on this trip. Such a good question. Um, for me, it was to notice everything around me. So in the morning, instead of just hopping out of bed, standing in front of a little space heater, cause it was freezing <laughs> in the morning. Cause the desert gets cold in the mornings. Right. And then quickly getting dressed and all that. It was like, 
laying in bed, looking around, listening to the wind, remembering where I am, the amazingness Mm -hmm. of what's going to unfold. And once ready for the day, just taking some space on my couch, looking outside to the sunrise that was over the lagoon and the beaches, which was stunning every day. That was like a palette of colors And to just pause instead of just hurrying up, get going, unzip, go to the (laughs) breakfast, all that, just look at that. And, and the same thing with, you know, when we would all leave dinner, the sun was going down and it was breathtaking. The colors, it was just breathtaking. So just to pause and look at that and really notice that, or to listen to all the coyotes when all the lights went out you know, that kind of stuff. Cause when you're in the boat, everything is, Oh my gosh, over there, over there, it's here. It, you know, there's a seal, it, you know, all of the things, right. But when you're not there to really breathe it all in, that was, that was it for me. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Anybody else want to comment on your experience about that? Just being part of that open, expansive, uh, stretch of land just like opened me up because I know like some people were talking like in the afternoons feeling a little tired whatever which normally would be me but there was something about just being there that gave me so much energy and excitement I just wanted to run around and dance and leap and like I just felt you know, the energy that I always wish I had <laughs> was there. That's where it was. <laughs> I saw you leaping. Yeah. I had to, <laughs> I had to do a little, little something. <laughs> that's, that's great. And you're right. We aren't often in, in um, a situation that has that kind of expansive space. Yeah. There was something about that, that really felt so good. And it, also looking at the pictures before I even went, when I saw that, I thought, yeah, I, that's what I need. I need to, I need to be there. So good. And Mickey, what were you going to say? Oh, just similar to Karen, where it wasn't hard to remind myself to look around because they're just so amazing. Um, I had no trouble staying present. Um, like I would if I was at home and had lots of things to think about and people to worry about and expectations. When it's uh, just yourself and your your new friends. <laughs> it's easier to focus on what's important. That's true. Yeah. One thing I did notice I thought was so, uh, I'm glad I noticed it because it, it was a reminder that I was being present. I saw these two feathers on our path to the dining tent that were stuck <laughs> in some desert brush. And I thought, well, that's interesting. What kind of feathers are they? And then I thought, wait a minute, they're feathers. It's windy. How come they're in this little shrubby thing? (laughs) Why aren't they blown away? And then I noticed every day they didn't move and it was windy as anything. So I don't know how this happened, that these two feathers were in the same location with all that wind. It seemed crazy to me, but I loved noticing it. (laughs) There were all kinds of interesting things that we saw. And in a desert environment, sometimes you think, well, you know, there's not much alive there. What are we going to see? But the shells, 
were phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Um, Amazing. The succulents were phenomenal. The coyotes were interesting. I mean, they do sound kind of crazy when they're all together. But even on the water, we saw lots of birds. We saw not just a seal, but we saw a seal or a sea lion. I don't know which it was. With a fish in his mouth. I mean, that was fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And those pelicans just coming out of nowhere, just they kept diving. That was amazing. Yeah, it really, it really was fun. Yeah. Now, my favorite day was the last day. And we only had a short mm-hmm. whale watch opportunity in the morning um, before our flights. Um, but, you know, I've been whale watching since 1985, and I've been on dozens of whale watches all over the place. And what happened on that last day was a very rare, I think a rare experience. And what I mean by that is not just the gray whales, and we did see amazing things that morning, but it was the light, the sound, the calmness and stillness of the water. It was silent and That situation for whale watching is perfect because you can see the spouts. You can see, um, you just see everything so much more clear. So you can hear things that like the, to hear the whales exhaling, it's not just seeing a spout, but you can hear it. And, and when it's so still like that and there's no extra noise from the wind or anything else, it's such a beautiful experience. And for me, that's no hands down. It was a top 10 day of the year. Even early in the year, (laughs) I can tell that it's for sure going to be a top 10 day because everything came together that morning for a perfect whale watching experience. You know, when you said that it was calm and still and we could hear everything, the the word that popped into my head was reverence. It was like the perfect goodbye, the perfect thank you, you know. We, it was our last couple hours with them and they really put on a show. And it was just, it, for me, it just was reverence. It was like, wow, thank you for that. That's, mm-hmm. that was amazing. You know, and sometimes when I watched back the video that I took the little video snips, we were silent too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So sometimes I was panning a little bit and, and just with these little clips. And of course, sometimes we were really excited but we were in a different space that morning and we were quieter, more reflective. I think we really were present and taking it all in. It was a beautiful, like that's the strongest memory I have of our trip together. I just loved every minute of that morning in particular. So now that you're home again, how are you thinking about the experience that you just had? Um, For me, I really enjoy going back and reading my journal entries because it puts me right back in the tent. I go back and look at my videos that I took, the pictures that I took. Um, but it's, it, it brings me to gratitude and reverence for that. These creatures are so massive and they allowed us into their playground and they allowed us near their babies. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I don't take that for granted. You know, plus meeting the 16 people that we were with and having those connections and conversations. It, it was really everything. It was the an excellent jigsaw puzzle. Every piece fit. Yeah, it did. Karen, what do you think? What are you thinking about the trip now? Well, 
um, that was one of my biggest concerns about taking the, the time and expense and all that was, am I going to come home and feel like I never went away? Am I going to just lose it and be back in the grind of things? But I think I also really made a point for that not to happen because I did not want that to happen most of all. Like, no, I'm taking this trip and I'm bringing it back with me, <laughs> whatever that takes. And um, I've really done pretty well with it, actually. Um, yeah, like Barbara was saying, looking at the video and listening to the video and hearing those exhales. Oh, I love that sound. Um, and re rereading my, um, my whale works also, uh, which is really fun because there might be something that I forgot to think about for a while. Like, Oh yeah, was that, um, that time that we, I think it was a, maybe the last night there we were running around to each other's tents for little visits real quick. And I thought that was really fun because it was harder than we thought to fit something like that in. It was busy, yeah. yeah. We're like, okay, we got to go and visit each other's tents, so let's go do it. So that was really nice, and I just really try to remember it and check out my pictures again. And I'm thinking of, um, you know, maybe printing out a couple and just having it on my wall, so it's right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how about you, Mickey? How are you bringing it home? Oh, I just. I loved all the whale and the camp and everything. But for me personally, to travel internationally on my own, though I had some deep breathing exercises going there a few times. Also, I've been learning, relearning Spanish. And so to push myself to actually speak to people. And that went fine. Yeah, I you did, did well. <laughs> so I just, um, a lot of challenges that came up. And I feel really proud of myself, I guess, that. I met the challenges and I just trying to keep that sense of accomplishment as I, I had a particular challenge getting there because it was really hard to prioritize myself right then. Cause my dad had just passed away and I was worried that I would regret going, but actually it was perfect because of that confidence and just like Barbara was saying, the reverence and just the awe of nature, it all just made me stronger so I could come back and deal with, all of the mess that was waiting for me and, you know, do it in good humor and feel nice and solid and centered. Oh, that's, that's so good. Wow. And I, I have to say that um, I got COVID as soon as we got back and <laughs> my voice still isn't great, but I think all of the positivity and awesomeness and all of the goodness of that experience, it helped me, be calmer about COVID. I had not gotten COVID yet. It was the first time and I've been very anxious about it. And even though I wore masks the whole travel day, I believe that's probably the day I got it. Um, you know, so it took me out of commission for a good week and a half. And it was kind of weird that I couldn't, like I wasn't even unpacked because I couldn't, un I, I just couldn't deal with it. And I really think that all of the positive part of the travel and the experience in the whales, it gave me what I needed to just keep that calmness, not freak out and just get better. So I think my experience would have been different if I wasn't in that frame of mind. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like I've been handling my busy days a little more gracefully. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think your best advice is for doing a big experiential type of trip like this at our age? Do it. Do it. <laughs> right? Don't hesitate. <laughs> don't hesitate. And I don't even put the age thing in there. If there is something calling to you, if something sparks your interest, if it gives your heart a jump start, and you go, oh, that sounds really fun, or oh, you go with that. You don't, you don't listen to anything that comes after that. Oh, I don't have time. I probably should. None of that. You just go, ooh, that sounds fun. That sounds like a trip of a lifetime. I need to do, go experience that, and you just make it happen. Agreed. Yeah. I I agree too, but I definitely do think that um, age is part of it though. I think it's important to live like that, but now that we're older time, there is a time sensitivity. And when I think that I waited 30 years to take this trip again, I might go again. I'm not going to wait another 30 years. I I wouldn't be able to get (laughs) out of that boat at 90. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? By we then they'll you. just be carrying you. you. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. Um, but I, I, I think the other thing is we do uh, older women as older women, we do start to have health concerns. Sometimes people we love are having health issues. We don't have as much freedom with our time as we think we do all of the time because there's other reasons that we can or can't go. And you know, I remember meeting two, uh, meeting these two ladies in their mid seventies on this whitewater rafting trip in the Grand Canyon. And one of them just had a knee replacement. And I thought, my God, <laughs> how is she doing this? How is she doing this? But I guess it gets to some point where if you're having a, a little bit of resistance about all kinds of reasons why you shouldn't go, one of the things that is really clear is that you may not have another opportunity to go because you might be taking care of somebody or maybe you need a knee replacement or who knows what. Um, but I love what you said, Barbara, about like if it if it lights you up, if it's something that it's almost a calling. And with me, it's been that way with the whales. And I remember in 1985, I was at a camp in Maine in Kennebunkport area and I saw a little sign on a telephone pole whale watching. And I thought, wait, what is that? (laughs) Now people talk about it. Now it's like, you know, you can go glamping in the middle of nowhere. Um, But back then, 1985, I was like, what? It was just a little sign on a telephone pole. What is that? I need to do that. I knew immediately I needed to do it. And I did it. And I, back then I had a teeny little camera um, that was like a, like a Kodak, like an instant camera. Like it wasn't even a special camera, nothing. <laughs> and, and even with that stupid little camera, I caught a dolphin jumping out of the air with that little camera. I caught a picture of that. Uh, but I think tuning into that, exactly what you said before all the chatter of why you can't do it, why it's too expensive, why it's too indulgent. What would people think? Is it too much for me? Can I manage it? Usually 
there are different levels of trips that you can take. So even on that Grand Canyon whitewater rafting trip, I wasn't driving the boat. (laughs) I wasn't doing the rafting. There were guides that do it all the time. That Costa Rica trip that I had the opportunity to go on, you picked what level of activity you were comfortable with. So, you know, there's always a way to get out in nature more and push yourself a little bit. You don't have to push yourself to a crazy amount. It's whatever you're comfortable with and willing to go a little further. You can usually do something like that. And I think that's what all of us did on this trip. We all had a personal goal. Some of us had some fears. We wanted to overcome them. But it really, with mindfulness and intention and, you know, just really focusing on creating what you want, you can absolutely do it. And Amen, we did it. sister. Yeah. We, and we did it together. <laughs> we did it together. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. So thank you all for being adventurous and loving the whales. It was an honor and a pleasure to to share this with you. It really was. Oh, thank you, Susie, for putting it together. It was amazing. Yeah, thank you. So appreciate it. Amazing. I'll never forget it. (laughs) So on to the next. I can't wait to hear what you guys do. And who knows, we might be forming a new travel group together. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> yes, we'll be taking it. more trips together. <laughs> Bring it on. I'd love it. I'd love it. Okay. Very good. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for sharing so candidly. And uh, thanks for putting yourself first. It was a really, really great time. Thank you. Thanks, Susie. Thanks, Susie. Okay. That is it for this episode. Wasn't it amazing? Can you imagine what it was like to be there? Are you ready to book a trip like this for yourself? Perhaps not to see the whales, but another really cool thing that you've always wanted to do or something you love and have always been interested in, but didn't dare dream that you would actually do whatever it is. (laughs) I think you probably know what I mean, and you may even have an idea of exactly what it is. For sure, our collective best advice is that when an idea strikes you at a deep level for whatever reason, listen to your heart. Connect with your feelings. Don't hesitate. Just do it. You won't regret creating an experience for yourself that brings you joy. I hear about regrets all the time. And one thing's for sure, you will regret having regrets. Nobody wants regrets. They stink. Especially a regret about allowing yourself to be happy like this. That is a very common thing that people regret. You heard the personal challenges and mindset drama that we all had, the money, the time, the open water, the small plane, the quality of the experience and staying present and calm and relaxed, the ability to bring back some of the goodness once we returned home, all of this and more. So yes, it takes intention to create what you want, but that's the point. And that's what I'd like you to really think about. Are you connected enough to what you really, really want? Can you see it? Can you feel it? And in this case, Barbara, Mickey, and Karen weren't sitting around thinking, gee, I really need to hang with some gray whales. I mean, that's what I was thinking, but that's not what they were thinking. But they were connected enough to what they desired, what they needed to fuel their soul. And so much so that when I shared my plans and told them about the opportunity to join me, they jumped on it. That's really the lesson here. And of course, women traveling together and gray whales rock. I'm just saying. (laughs) 
I'm just saying. And also, I might just have another magical moment in Mexico uh, with the whales in my future. You know, this going now as an adult who's much more clear about mindfulness and what she really wants, (laughs) it just seems so much more doable now. So I really do see it happening again. And that is the power of being intentional. Okay, so as you know, this podcast is all about how to love your life again after 50. It's really about coaching you to be more intentional and to incorporate mindfulness into your life as a regular practice. And mindfulness is the key ingredient to regret-proofing your life. This is how you put yourself on your agenda. As you know, my focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck, clear, and excited about your life again. So you have to ask yourself, are you ready to do this? Because if you are, I'm all in to help you do it. If you're an entrepreneur and finding your life is just too darn busy and overwhelmed with what it's really like to run a business at your age, this place is for you. Maybe you're finding it challenging to be gearing up when so many people in your life are gearing down. If so, this is the place for you. So seriously, if you're ready to change your life and learn the skills to unstick yourself, With some masterful coaching, a top-notch curriculum, an infusion of creativity, and a warm, fun, and awesome community of like-minded women, let's talk about it. I would love to help you create the business results and the work-life balance you're craving. If you're just stuck and don't know what your purpose is, this is the place. You can bust through all of this with the Women in the Middle Academy. You can absolutely be more fulfilled than ever before. So email me your questions and let's talk about it. You can go ahead and book your momentum call at www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. For show notes and links, head over to www.susierosenstein.com and click the podcast tab and look for episode 295. And if you're interested in applying to be a guest on my new upcoming podcast, Women in the Middle Entrepreneurs, head over to www.midlifeinterviews.com and apply. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I'll talk to you next week.